He's blunt, but he's fair. This is Drew Berquist, former counterterrorism officer, realist, and host of This Is My Show, which starts now. This is my show. We hope you had a great weekend. That was Joe Biden running away, quite literally, from the press when asked about COVID origins. Didn't want to go there. Did he just pull, like, the 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 movie president in the backdrop pretending to answer and walk away from questions? Like, like yeah, I mean. Was he an extra to film there? Because that's what it looked like he was doing. <laughs> don't, don't ask that question. There's a lot of people who will probably go down that trail. Uh but, I mean, I love it. Like, I mean, come on. First, first, he's bought and paid for by China, which is one of the reasons this isn't happening. He doesn't want to go down that path. But but he just shoes it off. But let's let's So it shows him walking away there. Let's roll him actually getting on Marine One in his three-quarter length jacket there. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's half-quarter length. I don't know what we call that. It doesn't matter. But let's roll it because for the last two years, he's 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 leaving there to go on vacation yet again. On vacation yet again. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <clears throat> but I'll just talk to it. But uh, he's spent much of the last two years. He, I mean, he's treated the presidents, and we've talked about this multiple times before in the show. The stats just remain the same. You'd hope that they'd start to creep down from 40%. But he's treated this presidency like a deadbeat dad who refuses to pay child support, doesn't take time to visit his kids. 40%, right at about 40% of his presidency. He's been relaxing in one of his many Delaware homes. He vacations almost, you could argue since he's not always present and they call a lid on things when he's actually there 60% of the time. You, you could argue he vacations or is not doing his job half the time. That's a great gig, by the way. That's a great gig. Most Americans wish they could pull that off. I was talking to someone the what's, other day the who was explaining how he again? works 10 hours a day and he's a friend. He's a good guy. But works 10 or not 10 hours a day, excuse me, 10 hours a week. I was like, man, that's a hell of a gig. Like, can I get that? What's the president's salary again? I think it's like 400, right? <clears throat> a year? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's bar- he's only there 40% of the time. That's <clears throat> which, you know, uh, I'll take that any that, day. <laughs> that's a great gig. And that, I mean, that those, those numbers, 400,000 pales in comparison to what the big guy gets. On the side, that's that's where the the real money starts to come in. But honestly, you get the feeling. We all get the feeling, and I'm saying this somewhat facetiously because it's 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 obvious. But you get the feeling that Joe would rather be somewhere else, really anywhere else, other than the White House. And and when you think about it, you, you hear that statement, you're like, well, yeah, of course, like what, yeah, but it, it's understandable, right? Because he really didn't want this job he sucks at it yes he's a horrible human being yes he's accomplished nothing in 50 years in dc yes all those things are true 
But he didn't want this job. He was content sitting in a rocking chair at one of his many Delaware mansions. But he was forced into running against Trump. They needed someone who would do their bidding, someone who would go along with things. And it's becoming more and more obvious by the day with what he does, what he says, the stats, the numbers of how much time he spends away. And I think there's other things to it, too. Right? There's no visitor logs in Delaware. There's no none of, you know, none of that stuff exists, which makes it easier for them to, to pull off what they're pulling off. But <clears throat> once he was installed, the promise was, hey, you need to do this, but we're going to let you go back to your life of leisure. You can sit there and dream of sniffing young women and girls on your rocking chair in Rehoboth Beach or wherever. Like, that's, that's what's happened. And there's, no, there's really no other explanation to this nonchalant attitude towards being president. He's the most disengaged president of my lifetime, if not ever. That's just, that's just true. He's president in name only. Or else he'd spend more time at the White House. Or else he would do things that actually benefit. We keep, we've heard multiple times in the last couple of weeks, his, his, he's committed. His number one job is protecting the American people. How? Like, first of all, you're not there. 40% of the time. And when you are, the policies that your handlers are putting into place that you're signing off on do the exact opposite. They don't protect Americans whatsoever. But what we're, what we're learning, and we're learning more and more, and all this started to change and change rapidly back in 2016, right? But now we're in, like, ludicrous speed, if you're a Spaceballs fan. That's, that's the state that we're in now. And it's clear that permanent Washington's disdain for the American citizens grows larger and larger by the day and more obvious each time Joe retreats to one of his Delaware mansions. His, his handlers, they, they don't even care about the optics. Obviously, it, to anyone who's even casually observing, it doesn't look good whatsoever for this administration. But they're at the point now, which is scary. It's really scary for all of us and for the fate of this constitutional republic. Some, they don't understand that. Democrats, it's a constitutional republic. Look it up. Don't Google it because they probably changed the definition of it. But, but try and find the original de uh, definition of what that is because that's what we are. That's what we're supposed to be. But these guys, they're at the point where they don't care how it looks. The masks are way off. They're, I mean, they're, 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 they're not going this far yet, but they're damn near at the point where they're like, yeah, we bamboozled the American public into, into getting us to this point here. Great use of bamboozled. Bamboozled. We don't use that word enough. I'd put it on a shirt in a store, but it's just it's too long of a word. But <laughs> but but they're at the they're they're close to that point, right? Where they're like, yeah, that's that's what happened. That's what we're doing. Because all their actions say that. They're just not saying it with their words. They might as well come out and say, We conspired with the media, we conspired with big tech, we conspired with the security state to install Joe Biden. And the cocky attitude of all of them is on full display. It, it's, it's out there. Their lack of respect for their own supporters on their side of the aisle. It's astonishing. Obviously, they hate you and me. Obviously, they hate people who love this country and love the, the Constitution, respect the Constitution. But their disdain for their own people, their own voters, is next level. They have, they have no respect for them whatsoever. And unfortunately, most Democrats don't have enough self-respect to understand that the party, the ticket that they put all their faith into, actually hates their guts, sees them as a burden, a nuisance. 
And the eyes of more and more people are being opened. But sadly, Democrats know deep down in their hearts, Democrat voters, that is, that they've been lied to. But they pretend that reality is fake and will continue to live in this fantasy world that they've created in their own mind. Like they can't get out of their own way. They can't get out of this perpetual cycle of doom. It's, it's remarkable to see what's going on here. So I just did some quick research. And back in 2001, there was something passed that now the salary for the president is at 400000 Like you said, 50 of, of it is an expense account. 100000 is travel, allotted for travel, and then 19 is allotted for entertainment. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that's like the parties they hold, because you know that those parties have to, each of them have to cost more than $19,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's all crazy. of his trips cost way more than that. Anytime you have oh, the kind yeah. of, you, you travel as heavy as the president of the United States, it's ridiculous. It's, that's all just a, a slush account. That essentially just goes to them, unless you're Trump. And oh. I, again, this isn't a pure Trump show, but unless you're Trump and you refuse that, um, which which Biden could do too. Biden has so much money; he has fu money. He just he pretends to be that guy from Scranton, but that's not him, y'all. That's not him. He didn't ride the train. He wasn't a part. He was out there talking, peddling his uh, civil rights movement lie again today. Like, no, he's not one of you. He's not one of us. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. He is. He's up here. Not in terms of class or character. He's way down here there. But he's up there in terms of being a part of the elite. Um, now, when you talked about changing the definition, I had read something this weekend I thought was funny. When J.R. Tolkien was writing The Fellowship of the Ring, he put dwarves, D-W-A-R-V-E-S. Okay. And the publisher sent the note back saying, hey, in the Oxford Dictionary, dwarves, how you have it spelled, doesn't exist. It's D-W-A-R-F-S. And his response back was, I wrote the Oxford Dictionary. Stop correcting me. So then he went and put dwarves into the Oxford Dictionary. That's awesome. So that they would stop it. I was like, that's fantastic. I mean, that, he, he, wrote, he wrote it. So, I mean, like he can. What, what are you going to. Yeah, exactly. How are you going to push back against that? They will. They'll find a way for sure. Uh, all right. Lots to get into today. We got a lot of Trump stuff. We got Trump and his speech at CPAC. And then I want to talk. Hey, God bless America. Hey to all of you guys, by the way, coming in. Dave, Auntie Dearest, Amy, Manny. Jill, Judy, there's so many people coming in, all the different chats. We're so glad you're here. Um, but we, I want to unpack parts of Trump's CPAC speech. And then I want to talk about, and that's you know the thumbnail and kind of the, 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 the episode theme for the day alludes to this as much in the title. But I want to talk about the things that I think Trump needs to do if he wants to win. And I know there's some people who think Trump can do no wrong, but that's just, guys, it's just not true. I love the guy. But there are things he can do wrong. There's things he does do wrong, just like you and I do things wrong. So I want to talk about what I think. doesn't mean that's right. But what I think he needs to do to be successful and what he needs to not do to be successful. We'll get into that. China and Russia both ramping things up further. Then on Booze and Banter, which will be over on Red Voice Media, you can go to redvoicemedia.com forward slash subscribe. It's in the chat. I'll put it in there again. Uh, you can try it for a dollar. That's where Booze and Banter is going to be. We're going to talk about Michael Knowles. He's under fire for his comments that have been uh, scrutinized about the transgender community, all of that stuff. We'll play the clip. We'll talk about it, tell you if you think there's something wrong with it or not. Also, Russell Brand. Russell Brand slayed, just laid into this MSNBC host on The Bill Maher Show. We're going to get into that. There was another train derailment by Norfolk Southern in Ohio. 
We'll get into all that. There's tons coming up. Again, that's over at redvoicemedia.com forward slash subscribe. Then use promo code Drew or just go redvoicemedia.com forward slash Drew Crew. Either way works. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you over there. But CPAC happened last week, right? <clears throat> and we'll probably be there as a network next year. But I'll, I'll be honest, I was, I was thrilled to not be there this year. There's great people there, lots of friends, lots of colleagues go. But it's an exhausting week. Man, it's an exhausting week. So I'm glad that I wasn't. But we're going to still talk about it. We're going to still talk about it. There was a, uh, a straw poll that showed that he was firmly in the lead, at least according to the folks at CPAC, to be the nominee. That is Trump, to be the nominee for the GOP come 2024. Um but again, that's that's not a huge surprise. But I wanna I wanna break down his speech because he addressed the audience on Saturday, and he promised that there was never going to that there was a new Republican Party on the horizon. That we are never going to go back to where it was. We weren't going to be the party of Bush and and Cheney and Karl Rove and all of these people. We're not going to be a party of of losers essentially, people who just take it and are happy you know to get along to go along all that kind of stuff. Anyway, here's the, here's the clip. Let's, let's take a listen to this, then we'll discuss. When we started this journey, a journey like there has never been before or it's ever been anything like it. We had a Republican Party that was ruled by kooks, neocons, globalists, open border zealots, and fools. But we are never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and Jeb Bush. All right, so Trump's right there. The sentiment is right. What he's saying, I hope, I hope is true. If the U.S. has a chance to right itself and not be governed by Washington uniparty rule, this is what has to happen. This is what has to happen. We have to get rid of those people. We have to detach ourselves from permanent Washington and, and pave a path that, that moves forward that's good for all Americans. That's what needs to happen. And... And this election cycle has the potential to be the same as 1856 when Abraham Lincoln successfully smashed the Whig Party and divided the Republican Party into an anti-slavery movement. And no doubt there's people listening now or who will listen down, down the road when they, when they download this that are going to say, oh, you're, are you really comparing Trump to Abraham Lincoln? No, 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 I'm not. I'm comparing the parallels between 1856 and 2023 when both Democrat and Whig parties were very much in line working together to be a ruling class instead of a representative republic, which is, of course, what we're supposed to be. We're at a crossroads right now. We're at a pivotal point in history. If we have any hope of regaining control over our federal government, people like Karl Rove, Paul Ryan, and the Bush family have to be discarded in the garbage bin of political hackery. Bye-bye. Never again. Because the elites <clears throat> within the Republican Party, within the people that's, you know, the, the party that so many people have supported and thought could do very little wrong. I won't, I won't say no wrong, but thought could do very little wrong for so long, as well as the Democrat Party, are both on board with more centralized power in, in Washington, D.C. That, that's, that, they're all A-OK with that. And none of us should be. That, that's a disastrous thing. For the, that is the very thing 
that our founding fathers warned against. The only way to give the other 99% or whatever figure you want to put on it of Americans a voice is to totally destroy the old guard of the Republican Party. We got a lot of work to do on the left, too. I'm not saying that we don't. But the Republican Party has to be reformed. It has to be fixed. It is a massive problem right now. It is a problem that you can say, oh, the libs are doing this and they're trying to push this. They're trying to you know, bring about, bring about Marxism and communism and all these things in this country and they're doing it. That's true. But the reason we are here where we are today is because the Republican Party didn't have the balls to stand up to it. Some of them were bought and paid for. Some of them were just too weak. Regardless of, of what the reasoning was, the outcome is the same. We're in a disastrous and perilous place as a country where we have to get things fixed or we're going to be in big trouble. And we've got to do a lot of house cleaning on the right. Michael Katz says, Drew, any way you look at it, the Republican Party is still loaded with too many rhinos. Republicans need to grow a pair and start cleaning house and start keeping promises. 100%. We have to play tough. We have to be willing to make some tough decisions. Or it's going to be too late. And we won't have anything to even fight for. It'll be, it'll be done. And I, and I say that, and that sounds awful and doomsday. I'm telling you, we can fix this. We can get this on the right track. But we got to start on our own side. And we got a lot of work to do on our own side if we're going to have a chance at this thing. But Trump then went on to talk about the deportation of illegal aliens in the United States. This is what he had to say. When I'm back in the White House, the very first reconciliation bill I will sign will be for a massive increase in Border Patrol and a colossal increase in the number of ICE deportation officers. And I want to thank the Border Patrol. These are incredible people. And I want to thank ICE, and in particular, I want to thank Brandon Judd, Border Patrol, and Tom Homan, Central Casting. He's Central Casting. Under my leadership, we will use all necessary state, local, federal, and military resources to carry out the largest domestic deportation operation in American history. Other countries are emptying out their prisons, insane asylums, and mental institutions and sending all of their problems right into their dumping ground, the USA. Think of it. They're emptying out their prisons, and you've heard me say that, but they're also emptying out their mental institutions. And uh, to use a strong couple of words, insane asylum. Insane asylum, that's where anybody see Silence of the Lamb? That's where they come from, insane <laughs> asylum. That's a stronger word than a mental institution. And they're putting them into our country. Thank you very much. I will ask every state and federal agency to identify every known or suspected gang member in America and every one of them that is here illegally. And the towns know who they are. The towns and cities are the police. We love our police. The police know who they are. And we will pick them up. And we will throw them out of our country, and there will be no questions asked. All right, so I love it, right? Some people will say, oh, it's heartless. No, 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 that's following the law. It's following the law. 
And since Joe Biden has come into office, there's been 5 million documented, key word here, documented illegal aliens crossing into the United States. To put that into perspective, 5 million people is the population of Wyoming. And we all know, again, documented is the key word, we all know there's way more than 5 million people who have crossed over into the United States. But even if that's the low end, if that's the floor that we're talking about, that's disastrous. Those numbers are unsustainable if our country is going to survive. Period. End of, end of discussion. And you see communist mayors like Eric Adams in New York City complain that resources are spread incredibly thin because of the influx of illegals. Well, no shit, Adams. What did you think was going to happen? This should be not any form of surprise to anyone. A lot of you in the audience remember <clears throat> the Mariel Boatlift of Cuban refugees who landed in, Mi in Miami back in the 70s. A lot of Cubans who came over were actual asylum seekers. But an overwhelming majority of them were prisoners from Castro's jails and prisons and were also mental defectives from insane asylums from all over the communist island. It was a way, and Trump kind of addressed it, it was a way for, for Castro at the time to purge Cuba of the undesirables. Let someone else deal with them. U.S., you, got, you take them. You take them and deal with them. Luckily, Miami was able to absorb the flood of Cubans and deal with the criminality that ensued over the next decade. But we're comparing apples to oranges when it comes to the amount of people. The Mariel Boatlift was thousands. The southern border, and we've got problems on the northern border too, you guys, but the southern border, which of course gets the most attention, is in the millions, five million documented since Joe took over. That's insane. Again, it's unsustainable if we want to survive as a republic. If we want to keep this great experiment that's been the United States of America that gave us and afforded many of us amazing childhoods, amazing parts of our adult lives as well. If we want any of those memories and any of the, the potential for future memories to exist, that's one of the first things we got to discuss got to fix that we got to discuss and then we got to fix we'll get into it a little bit more here in in the next segment but trump also addressed the democrat uh, party strategy of who they would prefer to run against let's let's listen to what he had to say about that our opponents do anything they can to hurt me politically because they're afraid of me and they're afraid of you that's what it is but it's not supposed to work that way the disinformation, people say they are great at disinformation. The one we want to run against is Trump. Do you ever hear that? Oh, we want to run against Trump. Even though I'm leading every one of these guys, and even though I won the second election, okay, I won it by a lot. You know, when they say, when they say Biden won, the smart, the smart people know that didn't. But right now we're way up. But they say, oh, we want to run against Trump. They always say that. They say that about everybody. When they have somebody that they don't want to run against, a governor, a senator, they say, we want to run against, because it's like demeaning. You know, in other words, like you're supposed to be a schlemiel that, I mean, I got 75 million votes. I got more votes than any sitting president in history the second time. And we really did. We did a much better job than we did in 2016. 2020, we did better than 2016. 
But they say, we want to run against Trump. In the meantime, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars trying to find just a single word, a sentence, anything to prosecute Trump because they don't want to run against me. That's what they say. We want to run against Trump. We'll do anything to run against Trump. Uh, they have the greatest line of bullshit of any group of people I've ever seen. Want to run against Trump. All right. I love it. I love it. I mean, his message resonates with over half of the country. Because by all rights, he should be. Donald Trump, based on his upbringing, based on his wealth, based on all those things, he should be a part of the enemy class. But he's not. You know why? Because the enemy class hates his guts. We've never seen a group of people hate an individual more in, in our lifetime. I'd say perhaps history, but you had folks who were, you know, that, uh, let's not go down that path. But, but there is a crazy amount of hatred towards him. And he's exposed people on both the left and the right, the right and left wings of the enemy albatross that's been placed around the necks of all American people. That's his greatest skill. We're going to talk about his, some of his good skills, some of his bad skills coming up here. But his greatest skill is exposing the hypocrisy, elitism, and stain for, uh, you know, disdain for the average American that permanent Washington has for its citizenry. In that last clip I played, Trump laid out how the Democrat Party and corporate media try to select, use their power, use their influence, use the good old boy club to select a candidate, the Republican candidate, to run against their candidate. In 2016, it was obvious that the corporate media in both parties were gearing up for Bush versus Clinton part two, obviously a different Bush. But the fatal mistake the corporate media made was pushing Donald Trump and carrying all of his rallies to get ratings and also to belittle the, the Republican Party and make the party of Lincoln look like a joke. But they, they thought, oh, this, this is a good idea. But they were blinded by the haze of their own cockiness. They didn't realize that his message resonated and, and started to resonate more than ever. There's never been a political movement like that of Donald Trump. You can like the guy, dislike the guy. You should be able to at least agree that it's never been a bigger movement. There's never been a, a larger inspired group of people than those who follow Trump. But by the time they recognized it, meaning the, the media, it was too late. They, they tried to reverse course, but, but it, too much damage had been done. The movement was way too far ahead. <clears throat> Low energy Jeb was out, and the Trump train was gaining speed, and there was nothing they could do about it. All they had was, let's try sacrificing Billy Bush. That didn't work. Didn't work at all. So these guys, they get together. They try to decide who the, the political candidate's going to be for the Republican Party. Who do we want to go up against? Let's go up against Jeb. That sounds, that sounds like the right, the right trick. Right trick, right ticket, whatever you want to say. Canadians for freedom, good to see you. Thanks for being here. But the pattern's always the same in the first couple months leading up to the debates. The corporate media runs positive stories about the Republican candidate that they want to run against that they think will be the easiest to beat. And when I say easiest to beat, I mean that they're holding on to some sort of leverage only to be released right before the election. Like, this person could look like a threat, but don't worry, we got it in the bag. We got it covered. 
But that's a pattern. That it's, it's a pattern that's frankly been used since John F. Kennedy. The corporate media didn't want a Catholic president. And they didn't want someone who was going to push back against the security state. So it wasn't until 2016 when permanent Washington got surprised again. It hasn't happened often. The machine is strong. They are tight with each other. They rarely make mistakes that come back to bite them hard. But it happened back then and it happened in 2016. And I hope, I pray to God, whether it's Trump or someone else, I pray to God that it happens in 2024 again because we need it. Whether it's Trump, DeSantis, who's not announced, and there's a lot of indications that he might not even announce, or anyone else who rises up to, with, with a great message that resonates with the American people, whoever it is, I hope it happens. So, you know, who we've played this clip before, but you know who has the, um, the blame for Trump running? And, bl- and Trump said it in a documentary. It was, it was Obama. So he, Trump had made a goofy claim, like uh, somewhere. I don't know if it was like on, you know, one of the Apprentice shows or whatever. Where he was just like, "Oh, I could be a better president." You know, that's all he said. He just made a joke, and then he was invited to the dinner where the president gets to, to, you know, go after the press corps and everything and make jokes and stuff. Well, in, in that, yeah, 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 the correspondence. And in one of in his speech, he said he was like he made a joke about how hard it is, and looked. He said no one. From you know, no one in this room, and he even looked at Trump. And he's like, especially Trump, you know, won't, you know, will never be president. Trump said that night was there. He said, "I'm going to start my campaign." Yeah, <laughs> like, like a challenge accepted. So right. thank you, Barack Obama. You know, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. Barack for that. did something right. <laughs> and See? so the problem is, is the left will never point blame at him and say, "Oh, I can't believe he did that." They won't because they won't turn on their own. They yeah. may, you know, well, maybe they will. He'll just end up dead somewhere. But, but it was it's like that. You literally could pinpoint the night when he decided this is what I'm going to do, and it was that night. Trump said it. Like, yeah, that was like, like I'm starting my campaign. Here it is. Yeah, boom, and and look where we are now. Now, granted, and, and it's a good thing, right? I don't say this in a bad way. Our country has been turned upside down since that point. There was the problems were there before. We just didn't all see them. But since 2016, or really, frankly, before 2016, we. We have been on quite a ride. I mean, I'm telling you, it has been, everything is just, we are the equivalent of a Norfolk Southern train in Ohio right now. Like that, that is what we look like as a country and no disrespect to the the folks of East Palestine. There was another train derailment. We'll talk about it in booze and banter today that didn't have the negative, you know, effects of the other one, but that that's like a perfect picture of our country. Like, oh man, like this doesn't look good. Um, But I'm so glad that he ran because we would have not known, we would have not known at least at this stage in time, based on, on how history had, had presented itself, we would not have known how broken our country was. We would have still been thinking that every agency had our best interest at heart, that every politician had our best interest at heart. We would have still been this dumb, naive republic, and, and we're not now. There's still plenty that are, but, man, there's a lot of people who have woken up and said, you know what? I don't think they really care about me. And you're right. They don't. Chris, good to see you from Germany. Welcome Glad you're to the here. party, pal. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Go out to the coast. I'm so sad about Bruce Willis. Let's not talk about that right now. Um, all right, let's get to question of the day, shall we? On Friday, we talked about a spelling bee between Joe Biden and John Fetterman. That was good. Today, the question is this. You can you can come up with whatever baked, baked good that you want, 
but who wins a baking contest? Kamala or AOC? Who wins a baking contest, Kamala or AOC? We'll get to your responses on the other side. I also want to talk Trump, what he needs to do and what he needs to not do. That's all coming up. Stick around. All right, let's get to those responses. The question of the day. Who would win in a baking contest, Kamala Harris or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Again, you can come up with whatever you want for what they would bake, what you want them to bake you. Who would win? Who's got the ability in the kitchen? I think I have the answer that takes the cake. I'll go last. Okay, all right. Shelby says, as long as I don't have to eat it, AOC, Kamala, she'll use her Venn diagrams to help her. AOC, she's always doing those cooking spots on social media. Okay, fair point. Carol Davis, AOC. Surely, AOC, at least she knows how to turn the stove on. <laughs> Laugh out loud, that's true. They're both baked, says Matilda, but I would say AOC. What else do we got? We got AOC. Ah, damn, that's tough, says Barb. I know, again, it's tricky. It's tricky, the, the questions we give you. Cam Cam, I doubt AOC cooks, says Jill. Kamala, as she is, she has White House chefs. That's true. I mean, but, but it's got to be her. It's got to be her. Has to be Harris. Couldn't read a cookbook. AOC couldn't read a cookbook, says Judy. AOC, Cam Cam is useless. AOC was a bartender. Um, AOC probably thinks calling for takeout is home cooking. That's a fair point, Judy. I bet she does. Look at what I made. It's called DoorDash. No, it's not called DoorDash. It's called Domino's. It's not Domino's. Just call it pizza. Just say you did it. Mr. Wonderful, glad to see you. Glad you're here. Everyone, hit that like button real quick, whichever platform you're on. We're so grateful that you're here spending some time with us, engaging in the chats. Whichever platform you're on, please make sure you engage on it. Share, share, share away. Make sure you're subscribed on that channel. And then make sure you get on over to redvoicemedia.com. Use promo code DREW. You can try it for a dollar. We got booze and banter coming up here in about 20 minutes. There's tons of other shows. And we are adding so many things that are coming. Zeke Arkham, the Juice Box Brothers. We got Matt Couch coming. Lee Valentine's coming. We have so many things coming. There's a bunch of other plans that I can't talk about yet, but there's a bunch of stuff coming. You're going to want to be there. So go to redvoicemedia.com forward slash subscribe use promo code drew you can try things for a dollar get a one-week trial for a dollar if you don't like it turn it off 
I hope you don't. I hope you don't. But <clears throat> so what's your answer? My answer. I think my answer is probably AOC. Here's why. I don't think either person is going to give you a good product in the end. I think it's going to be like, oh, it's good, it's good. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she's more, you know, she's younger into social media, so maybe she can watch a video and comprehend like a, you know, what's that? Um, you know, you always see stuff from like something yum, pinchy yum, you know, some of those things like maybe – Maybe she can do it. Although Dave says a good point. Kamala AOC can't do the math. Yeah, she probably wouldn't understand. Like, did you just put a gallon of flour in there? Um, but <clears throat> I'm going that way. And 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 worst case scenario, if you're in, which was not part of the question, but if you're in the kitchen with them, at least AOC's dumb dumb commentary would be more entertaining than just sitting there listening to Kamala cackle. Yes. Well, I mean, we know Kamala most definitely probably took home ec, so you know, like she probably, you know, you know whether she d has practiced that since then, you know, like you know as she cooked. But I say AOC because remember she wanted clothes to tell her when it's time to relax. She wanted lounge branded, lounge, yes, evening wear, like yeah. evening, like it said lounge on it. So like I know to put this on because I have a uniform at work. I have a uniform at home. So therefore, I think if she's looking at the back of a Betty Crocker chocolate brownie thing, she's gonna be like, "Well, here I go. Like, this is what it's telling me to do." So I feel like if she needs lounge branded <laughs> uniforms to relax, she could follow some directions. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I like where your head's at, but as as someone said, she can't do math. So I mean, it's a tough thing. Or they... she's just she's seen too many TikTok videos where it's like, "Oh, I'm cooking," uh, uh, you know. Uh, muffins with my uh, fiance and they're just throwing flour at each other and kissing that's all she wants to do is just you're like stop throwing flour at me like yes. stop it <laughs> yes i i don't know vade it's good I to see you over brownies. on rumble by the way uh michael says kamala because she had and raised her kids at least a couple years fair point fair point okay um sure. all right let's get to this stuff here because i i want to i want to just touch base on this like i've talked about it you know before like some of this is not new you guys kind of know where i'm coming from on this but you know in the aftermath of cpac and with all the banter that's been going on you know regarding trump and desantis and this and that all of this stuff i i i want to weigh in on some and some of it's going to piss people i'm just going to give you a warning some of it will piss you off if you're like all in on trump and trump can do no wrong then you're probably not going to like what i have to say about this i'll tell you this though i'm on team i i love trump so so don't turn it off just because of that. Cam Cam cooks with Queedom, says Jill. Yeah. Um, don't turn it off because there's not a damn one of us who's not perfect. Excuse me, that is perfect. Um, there's clearly a lot of us who are not perfect. But none of us are perfect. So I, I But I think it's important that we talk about this as he kind of ramps up his campaign messaging. You know, he's at CPAC this week. There's polling coming out. There's all this stuff happening. And... I know he's not listening to me. You know, uh, he's retweeted me a couple times in the past when he used to be on Twitter. But like, I know he's not coming to me for advice. But if he was, if and we should be on his board for advice, we, we should, should be. I feel like I yeah. should be. Like, yeah, like, come on, like. But if he was, and if he was coming to me, what I would say is is a lot of things. But focus on the issues for one, right? Focus on the issues, and I'm gonna kind of go by step by step here. But focus on the issues. 
And, and some of those issues are more important than others. First and foremost is secure the border. It's the quickest, most effective way to regain some sort of control over this country. That's crazy right now. All right? You've got Democrat-run states like Arizona, and if they refuse to secure the border, and, and, and I get it, Arizona's not a completely Democrat state, but it's been going that direction. Certainly Maricopa County is, is Democrat, and certainly there's lots of issues with elections. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. But flood the state then. If that's the case, if they're not doing their job, or any state for that matter, I just use Arizona as, as an example, flood it with more Border Patrol, with more ICE, with more DEA, with more U.S. Marshals, with more any, anything that you have to. And if there's a state where you're like, well, you're taking agents away from us, well, then use the National Guard. Whatever, the, whatever it takes, bottom line, whatever it takes with the border, get it done. Border security has to be a top priority to regain our national sovereignty, period, end of story. You have to do it. But the economy has to be the second focus. Middle-class Americans are being bled dry by the recession that we're in right now. And yes, by definition, we've been in a recession. They, they've changed the definition on the left because they don't want that news. But, but we've got to fix that. We've got to open the energy sector back up for business. More natural gas will help the economy. More fossil fuel production will help the economy. And it will rebound. I mean, it'll rebound right off the bat. Like the, the, the surge that you would see if we went back to doing that would be crazy. And it would also be a huge kicking the nuts to the left because the goal of the communist regime that's in power right now is to economically cripple the middle class, push it into a dependent class of Americans. Permanent Washington can't exist the way that they want to, and they're not going to thrive with a middle class that's thriving. They can't do it. It's, it. It literally goes completely opposite of what they want to do and what they need to do. You have to, if you're them, if you're permanent Washington, if you want to instill these communist ideals and policies in this country, you have to divide the population into elites and the poor. If there's a middle class, they can't wield all the power. So that's, that's something that has to be done. Then you have to... You, China, China's got to be dealt with, right? China's got to be dealt with Unfortunately, they've captured most of our politicians and, and I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot, damn near all the, the major corporations that are, that are out there, at least the, the large ones. And they look to, politicians and CEOs, they look at China as the new roadmap for business and for government, which is dangerous on both fronts. And the reason why they look at the Chicoms for the new template is simple. Because all power is centralized. That's one of the things that they like most. Yes, they love the greenbacks, but they love that all power is centralized. The Chinese economy has, it's, it, there's this facade that it's a free market economy, but it's not. Because the government, the people in charge there pick the winners and losers. So it's, it's, it's not like that in reality whatsoever. If big corporations can cozy up to the government and eliminate all competition, so that they can have a, a monopoly? Well, of course they're going to throw all their support behind the party that's willing to make that reality. So you've got to do that. You've got to fix that. But then, you know, bottom line, focus on your policies. Americans are hurting. The economy, the border, China, all those things. And there's a lot more. 
but focus on the issues, all that to say, and then stay positive. You've got to keep things positive. If he can stay focused on all the positive accomplishments that he made during his tenure as president, and there was a lot. They weren't celebrated because the media was all in lockstep with, with making sure that they destroy him. But the everyday American felt it. They saw it. Regardless of what CNN or MSNBC or, or even Fox told you during the, the nightly news, the reality on the ground, the reality in your bank account, the reality in your community, unless you lived in like Kenosha or Portland or Minneapolis, like the, the reality was good. So you've got to focus on that. And if you focus on that, there's going to be a lot of people that despite what the media is telling you now, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to have that oh, yeah effect. They're like, things were good. The oh, yeah effect when you say, remember when gas was $1.89 a gallon? That was great. Everyone can get behind it. Remember when interest rates were 3%? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was able to refinance my house and take out a loan to start my business. Those were good days. If he can stay on message and keep hammering home how much more prosperous and positive the average American's outlook on their future was when he was president, that's going to go a long way. The petty jabs, and I've talked about this with, with regards to DeSantis and some of this other stuff. I talked to a bunch of my colleagues in this space today about this very thing and about this episode, and a lot of them agreed. And it's a tricky thing because... A lot of the people who are, are, are quote-unquote ultra-mega or like purely MAGA, all in, but you cannot criticize Trump at all. And that, that's stupid. It's ridiculous, guys. We should, we should, the people that we love, you, you criticize, right? You, you, you take your children and you say, you shouldn't do this, you should do this. Because we love you, because we believe in you. The same thing is true for people like Trump. Now, very different than your kid. He's a billionaire who's going to do what he's going to do. But we, we've got... We've got to get him focused on the positive things, the petty jabs here and there at his enemies, including those and especially those on the conservative side. Th look, th that message doesn't resonate with suburban soccer moms. It just doesn't. And I, one of my favorite things about Trump is the way he, he shoots from the hip, fires off the cuff. Those are great qualities. And I personally don't really care about him going after somebody because Democrats do it all the time. But it's going to, when it comes to this, and what, what's on the line for us as, as Americans and as a country is, is more important than whether I think it makes sense or is cool or not, whatever, all those things, because it's going to cost him, or any Republican for that matter. Obviously, he does things differently, but it's going to cost him a chance at the presidency if he's not careful. So I would stay away from it. So focus on the issues. Stay positive. There's a lot of negative shit going on, but you know what? Everyone's tired of the negative. We live it every day. So keep it positive. Focus on the issues. And then <clears throat> this is going to rub some feathers the wrong way. But you got to not go on to, you know, talking about the 2020 election. It does not mean it wasn't a thing and that what happened was not real. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But if I, was, if I was advising him, I would say move on from that. Move on from that in terms of your campaign messaging, in terms of what you're doing policy-wise, in terms of what you're doing behind the scenes to fix things and right our country. Hell yes, focus on that.
But in terms of your overt messaging, stay away from that. Because at this point, one, nothing can be done about those results. Was there impropriety with mail-in ballots, potential compromising of voting machines? Yeah, I would say, of course. It seems like all those things. Is there any American out there that actually believes Joe Biden received 81 million votes, the most votes in, in presidential history, that he's the most popular person ever? No. Maybe, I mean, maybe a few, and, and gosh, I feel bad for them. But you've got to stay away from it. Newsweek, even, we've talked about this article a bunch of times. Newsweek even admitted, they wrote an article, they put it out there for the masses, that there was a concerted effort between the Democrat Party, corporate media, the security state, and big tech to prevent Donald Trump from being reelected. They laid it out there. They said it. We knew it. They just said it in a large publication, which I thought was remarkable. But the bottom line is, is he doesn't have to. The reason I bring it up is what we believe is what we all believe, right? And I think we're all in lockstep in what we believe as it pertains to 2020. But he doesn't have to say anything about it being rigged. We all believe it. We all believe it. And all he has to, to do is refer, in fact, to that. If you want to refer to something, refer to that Newsweek article. That Newsweek article should be attached to every campaign email that's sent out. But I think staying away from that, again, not saying it didn't happen, but staying away from it, keeping things positive, keeping things focused on the issues, is going to go a long way with him. Focus, as Shelby says, focus on the future, focus on what helps everyday Americans, and newsflash, and he knows this, everyday Americans are hurting right now. Everyday Americans are hurting. And... 50% or greater believe all that nonsense that happened in 2020, 100%. And they also remember the policies and the success our country was having from 2016 to 2020. Focus on that. I, I, that's, that's my, it's, it's not just my hope. It's my prayer for him as someone who can do a great job for this country. If you do it right, Stop, don't pick on DeSantis. Don't pick on this person or that person. Let's 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 have some some form of unity somewhere for God's sake. And focus on the positive. That that to me is what has to happen. And 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 look, if you're gonna pick on someone, pick on the, eradicate the rhinos. Pick on the rhinos. But in doing so, keep it focused on how it helps everyday Americans. How it helps in this case Republicans. Lincoln did it with the Whig Party. Trump can keep doing it. Keep hammering the rhinos. His biggest strength is bringing down corruption across the board, but also within our own house, within the Republican side of things. And he resonates with people because he's viewed as an insider who shouldn't care about the average American, again, based on his status, his upbringing, all that. But he does. He does. And he's willing to go after elites no matter the party affiliation, no matter the consequences. We need Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney, John Cornyn, all of those people. They all need to be forced into retirement. They're just as guilty as, as the Democrats on the other side who are, who are pushing for the demise of the American dream. But he can go after them while still focusing on the issues, while still keeping things positive, while not focusing on the crap 
that the media is going to bury him with if he goes down that path. And they're still going to go after him no matter what, to make no mistake about it. But if he can stay positive with his messaging, I think he's got a great shot of not just getting the nomination, which if he's going to get. I don't think there's any way he's not going to get the nomination. But he's got a shot of actually winning this thing. It's got to be overwhelming, but he but he's he's got a shot. And and I know the election's a long way off, but again, my hope and my prayer for him is, man, focus on the good things. Focus on what you can do, what you can bring back and and or what you can do moving forward to make things better for the greater good for all Americans. And and you're going to be good. Stop picking on Ron DeSantis. I know there's people who don't like DeSantis too. That's fine, whatever. But that, that that does nothing for us. If your whole ticket is picking on Ron DeSantis, who's as close to being in lockstep with you as any candidate out there, and and talking about 2020, you will. I promise you'll lose. You'll lose. And I don't want you to. It's got to be better than that. All right, folks. I've yapped a lot about that, about Trump, about a CPAC speech, his performance about what we need to do moving forward, what Trump needs to do moving forward. We still have stuff we got to get to, but we're going to move it to Booze and Banter. So we're going to get into, over on Booze and Banter today, we're going to get into China, Russia. Russia is talking about martial law, at least in certain circumstances. I'll explain what I'm talking about. China is ramping up its budget for the military, up seven, more than 7%. We'll talk about that, what it means. We got Russell Brand who just, tear, man, I love this clip. We're going to talk about it. He sounds like freaking uh, Jack Sparrow in this clip. We're going to talk about that. I'll, that probably doesn't make sense, but I'll explain why. Michael Knowles' comments, taken out of context, not. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that. All that's coming up on Red Voice Media for booze and banter today. You can see the link in the chat, redvoicemedia.com forward slash subscribe. Use promo code Drew. You can try it for a dollar. We hope to see you there. If we don't, we'll see you tomorrow. Be safe. Be smart. Be free. You've just heard Drew Berquist. Catch the show weekdays on every major social media platform and on DrewBerquist.com.